0: All right, is everybody ready? Ready or not, here we come. As you remember, last week uh, I started, uh, it'll be a series of sermons on the gates of Jerusalem uh, in Nehemiah. Nehemiah (coughs) uh, had permission from the king to go back to Jerusalem to repair the walls of Jerusalem and the gates of Jerusalem. I had done this before several years ago, uh, but I don't remember what I said. I do remember the gates, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, we're going back to that. And last Sunday, <clears throat> we looked at, we're in Nehemiah chapter 3, and uh, in verse 1, it Names the first gate. It names the gate where they started was the sheep gate. This was the gate that uh, where they would bring the sheep in to the city of Jerusalem to be examined at at the temple for sacrifice. And this is also the gate that Jesus Christ went out of when he went to Golgotha. Uh, to be sacrificed on the cross. So, and it's amazing that you start with the Sheep Gate and you go counterclockwise and it gives you the 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 way in which or the order in which God deals with us as Christians. Last week we talked about the Sheep Gate and that's where you start. You have to come To the Lamb of God, you have to come to the Shepherd of the Sheep. He said on one occasion that he was the door to the sheepfold, and he said, "By me, if any man enter in, he shall come in and find pasture." Uh, He also said in the New Testament, "He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by him." So. How do we start? How do we come to God? We come to the sheep gate. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the sheep gate. But then today we're looking at the second gate in verse 3, which is the fish gate. Uh, It says, But the fish gate did the sons of Hassani, Bill, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. What is the first thing you do when you come to the sheep gate? When you uh, get saved? When you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, first thing you're supposed to do is go fishing. And I don't mean that in a literal sense, but I mean what Jesus meant over there in the book of Matthew, chapter 4 and verses 18 and 19. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you'll just follow me. And so the fish gate (coughs) is... Uh, reminds us of the fact that when we're saved, then we're supposed to fish for other men uh, that also need salvation and can be saved by coming to the sheep gate. And they, they tell us that when a person is saved, statistics tell us that the first two years after conversion is their own fire. You know, they want others saved. If a man is saved, he wants his wife saved. If his wife gets saved, they want their children saved. Uh, And so they're on fire for the Lord. And then something happens. They quit. Why? Because they're like, or we, I'm going to say we, we are like the church at Ephesus. We have lost or left, our first love. We don't love the Lord like we once did. When we were saved, we came to know Him as our Savior and it was just hard to imagine a Savior that would love us enough to save our soul. And so we were on fire for Him because if He could save us, He could save anybody. There's a, a company, I can't think of the organization's name, it's a research group that gathers information uh, concerning the church and they, they've been at this since 1984 and they have found that 33% of Americans have no affiliation with any church. And then 20% of those who do go to church believe that living a good life will get you into heaven. So what that means then that we're already up to 53%. That means that when you go out on the streets and the highways and hedges, half over half of the people you meet don't have any idea what salvation is. They, in other words, over half of the people you meet are prospects. And I'm sure that the numbers, actual numbers, is is way more than 53% because Jesus gave a parable of the sower and the seed and 75% of that seed fell on bad ground. 25% fell on good ground. And so that's probably a more realistic number Uh, When we go out into the highways and hedges, there are 75% of the people that need Jesus. We are fishers of men. My message today is let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. We need to do like what Jesus told Peter when he was preaching there on the shores of Galilee. And Peter had a boat there and the people were pressing Jesus and crowding him. And he said, Peter, let me borrow your boat for a minute and push away from shore just a little bit so the people could not uh, crowd him like that. And he preached from Peter's boat. And when he got through, he said, Now launch launch out into the deep and let down your nets, N-E-T-S, for a draught. And old Peter said, Lord, we've fished all night and caught nothing. In other words, this is not even the good time to fish. But nevertheless, at your word, we will let down a net. Did you notice the difference? Jesus said, let down your nets, N-E-T-S. Peter said, we'll let down a a net, N-E-T. Just one net. And he went out there and let it down just because Jesus said so. He let it down knowing that he wasn't going to catch anything. And my goodness, he caught more fish probably in that one net pull than he'd caught all week long. And then he was probably wishing that he had been more obedient and let down nets, N-E-T-S, instead of N E T. Peter said, Lord, just get away from me because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a very good person. But Jesus is telling us today to launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Uh, what he tells us in the Word is that they and and what this, these people that did the survey are telling us is that the fish are not scarce. There's plenty of them. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In uh Matthew chapter nine and verses thirty-five to thirty-eight is where I'm I'm going to be looking at lastly today. And uh It says, And Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his vineyard, into his harvest. So what I want to say to you today is, Oh God, let us see the harvest through the eyes of Jesus. Let us see the fish through the eyes of Jesus Christ and not by our own reasoning. In Psalms chapter 142, David was in a cave. And in that last verse, I think it was the last verse of Psalms 142, he said, No man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. Let me ask you can that be said of you? Can that be said of me? There are mamas and daddies out there that know that their children are born with souls that has an eternal destination that don't care. They care about the body. They care about their finances. And they pour them full of baseball, football, soccer, basketball, uh, all kinds of sports. And they neglect their soul. Jesus told a parable of a a farmer whose crops brought forth plentiful. And he said, what am I going to do? My barns won't hold it. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns and bring all this in and store it. And then I'm going to say, So, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry, for you have much goods laid up for many years. And God said, You're a fool. Tonight your soul is going to be required of you. And then who shall these things be? That you've laid up. And the reason the man was a fool, because he thought his soul could take in all the things that his body took in. You can't feed your soul (laughs) on the crops that he grew. You can't feed your soul on sports. Your soul needs something different. Your soul needs the Word of God. Your soul needs the Savior that came into the world and died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. You look at the world today and you say, What in the world is going on? There are fish that haven't been caught yet. There are fish that haven't Come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what's wrong with them. That's what was wrong with you before you came to know Him. That's what was wrong with me before I came to Jesus. So, do you care for souls? We would if we see the harvest through the eyes of Jesus Christ. In verse 36, he saw the pity of the harvest. It says he was moved with compassion because they fainted. They fainted and were scattered abroad. They had no direction in their life. They were like sheep without a shepherd. A sheep without a shepherd don't know what to do. They don't know where they're going. They have no protection they're just wandering around out there in the world. They're weary under their load of sin. I'm not talking about the sheep, but those that Jesus saw as sheep. I'm talking about the men. They fainted. They were under a load of sin. He saw them as uh, someone with no shepherd. They were just scattered. They were wandering through life with no direction, no planned destination. He saw a people who were lost and hopeless. Oh, how we need to see the multitudes as Jesus saw them. And we don't. We don't look at them that way. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the churches today, and yes, us too, This ain't going to be a fun sermon. But us too. We say, but Lord, the gospel, the world don't like it. The world won't like us if we preach the gospel. The world won't like us if we witness for Jesus Christ. So you know what? We could start a food bank and feed the hungry. Well, what about the soul? Do we care for the soul? You can give the body steak and eggs every day for breakfast and whatever you want to for the other two meals, but that don't feed the soul. The soul is hungry for something that you can't provide out there in the world. Someone said, they looked for the church and found it in the world. And then they looked for the world and found it in the church. That's where we are today when it comes to fishing. When it comes to spreading the gospel. Here's a family who has good jobs. They have plenty of money. They have a nice home. They have a nice car to travel around in. All the things in life that they could want, they have. But if you could look into their hearts, you'd see turmoil and fear. You'd see loneliness and depression because they have no answer to their questions. They need Jesus more than anything else. Here's another family that don't have all that the other family has, but they do have jobs and they do have a place to live and they have, maybe they have an old car to get around in, but they live their life or their life is driven by alcohol and drugs. They have no one to direct them. They don't have Jesus in their life. But if you could pull back the layers of their life and look at their soul, you would find a person who is afraid to die and a person who is afraid to live. And yet, underneath all of that is a person That Jesus Christ loved and died for. Because he sees them different from the way we see them. We see them as an old drug addict, as a junkie, or as an alcoholic. We see them as someone that's worthless and we don't want to have anything to do with them. And I'm not talking about fellowship. Of course you can't fellowship with them. But you ought to love that soul. If we could see them through the eyes of Jesus, we wouldn't be looking at what they are. We would be looking at what they could be through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something today. Without Christ... What would you look like? What would you look like today to someone else without Christ? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be very pretty, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I wouldn't look very good. But when Jesus looks at someone, says he saw them as sheep that had no shepherd and he had compassion on them. He had compassion. He saw them as what they could be with Christ in their heart. And that's the way we ought to see them. Not the way they are, but look at them in the way that they could be if they come to know Christ as their Savior. He saw potential in the harvest. He said they're... The harvest is plentiful. Let me ask you, what good is a harvest? Some of you grow gardens every year. I try. (laughs) But every now and then we get a good harvest. What good would it do to, to have bean vines just loaded, just ready to pick? We stand back and say, boy, that really looks good. There's plenty of beans out there, but we never do go out and harvest them. They were ruined. They would drop off the vine and probably just get so old that nobody, not even the wild animals, would want to eat them. But you got to go out there and pick them. And that, that corn that's so good, that sweet corn, that's so good, boiled on the cob with a little butter and, and salt on it. Yeah, you got to put salt on it. And I know people say salt ain't good for you, but I'm 78 years old. I've been eating a lot of salt. And I intend to keep on eating it because the Bible says salt is good. <laughs> and I guess there's too much. <laughs> there is a too much. Maybe, but I got my blood pressures good. That's because of apple cider vinegar. (laughs) So drink apple cider vinegar and go ahead and eat your salt. (laughs) But anyway, what I was getting to say before I chased that rabbit, what good is that corn out there if you don't go out and pick it and harvest it and clean it? And bring it in and your wife cooks it. What good is it? What difference does it make whether you had a good crop or a bad crop if you don't pick it? That's what Jesus said. The harvest truly is plenteous. All the disciples saw was a bunch of people pushing and shoving. Trying to get to the master. But Jesus saw more. He saw a people who needed to be saved by the grace of God. How do we see them? As I said, do we look at them just as they are? Or do we think of them as what they could be with Jesus Christ in their heart and in their life and in control of their life? I'm afraid we're probably like the priest and the Levite that passed by on the other side of the road. Lord, I don't want to have anything to do with them people. But you've got the message of salvation. You have the gospel. Yeah, Lord, but they don't look very good. They're not like I am. I don't want to have anything to do with them. I don't want to share Christ. With them. Let me ask you, what would Saul of Tarsus have been like without becoming Paul the Apostle? Well, he would have been the same old Saul of Tarsus he always was, going out persecuting Christians, killing them. He was an enemy of the church. But one day, on the road to Damascus, master saw him and knocked him down, knocked him off of his horse or whatever he was riding and a blinding light blinded his eyes and a voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Lord, who are you? He said, I'm the Lord whom thou persecutest. And he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? and that's when he became Paul the Apostle is when he said Lord what would you have me to do and God chose him he was a chosen vessel to the Gentiles I'm saved today because of the faithfulness of Paul the Apostle and so were you you're a Gentile you heard the gospel And it didn't matter to him. He said, I'm debtor to the barbarians and to the Greeks and to everybody. To the wise, to the unwise, to the big and the small. I'm debtor to them. And can I tell you today, you are too. You are too. If you've come to Christ for salvation, then you have a job to do. Look on the fields, he said, because they're wide on the harvest. There's plenty of them. Every day, no matter where you go, over half of the people you meet, more than likely, are going to be lost. Jesus said, enter in at the straight gate, because straight is a gate and narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. But wide is the gate and broad is the way That leads to destruction and he said between the two, plenty find that broad way but there's just a few that travel the narrow way. That tells me there's more people in America today and more people being born all the time. More people are added to those numbers, there's more people that need Jesus than there is that have found Jesus. There are churches today that will tell you if you just come up here and and drink this juice and eat this wafer and let me sprinkle a little bit of holy water on you, you're saved. Others say, well, let me dunk you under this water and you're saved. Now, I'm, I'm for baptizing you that were just recently baptized. You did the right thing. But you did it because you're saved, not in order to be saved. Baptism does not save. Not water baptism. Baptism of the Holy Spirit will save you. When you place your faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit took you and baptized you into the body of Jesus. That's the baptism that'll save. But we don't have anything to do with that. He does it. All we did was express our faith in Him. Come to Him by faith and receive Him. I remember one day reading in the Bible where Jesus stood at a well of Samaria, of all places. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. They were a half-breed. They were part Jew and part Gentile. And they despised them. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. But Jesus saw in that woman something that the disciples didn't see. All they saw was a sinner. All they saw was a Gentile dog. But Jesus saw a woman that needed salvation. And he said, Lady, if you'll give me a drink, I'll give you water And you'll never thirst again. I'll give you living water. And he did. And you know what she did? She went back into town and brought the whole town back out there to the well. And they believed. Some of them because of her testimony and some of them because they simply heard Jesus. But the disciples, when they looked at her, they didn't see that. Lord, let us see people like you see them. Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous. There are people all around us today that need salvation. They need Jesus Christ. And then in verse 38, we see the power of the harvest. As he saw the harvest, he told the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then he said, pray. Many of you believe there's power in prayer. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth reapers. And as I said a moment ago, a good harvest is no good unless it's reaped. But when we pray for reapers, the desire ought to be kindled within us to say with old Isaiah who said, when the Lord said, whom shall we send and who will go forth for us? And old Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. When you pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth reapers, that's the idea that God will prick your heart and you will become the reaper. You will become the laborer in the field under the help of the Lord because you prayed. Hear my, send me. Charles Wesley was robbed once. Robert took all of his money. But as he was walking away, Charles Wesley said, wait a minute, sir, I have something else that I didn't give you. And the man turned around looking puzzled, probably thinking, Why would anybody call a robber back to give him something that he didn't give him? but he wasn't expecting what Charles Wesley gave him. He said, Sir, I have something else to give you. If you ever get tired of the life that you're living, I want you to know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And the man walked away. A few years later, a short few years later Charles Wesley was holding a meeting somewhere and after the service a man came up to him and he said, Sir, I'm the one that robbed you but now I'm saved by the grace of God. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from all sin and oh sir I wish I had the money to pay you back. Charles Wesley said, I just got paid. He said, I just got paid. How many of you love somebody? You, there's somebody you know that you love. It may be your family or within your family. You haven't given them all that you have. You haven't told them about Jesus. When Jesus looked at the crowd, he knew that left alone, they were heading for the lake of fire. They were heading for hell, where there would be no hope, no salvation, but while they're living, there is hope. You might say, well, you know, I planted a seed, so I'm through. I'm through. God's gotta do the rest. <laughs> no, no, I guarantee you it's God that does all the work. But don't think just because you dropped a seed that you're through. Keep on dropping seeds. Keep on watering. Keep on planting. Let's go fishing. You've been to the Sheep Gate, now go to the the Fish Gate. Look at people that are lost the same way that Jesus looks at them. Start seeing men as He sees them. Maybe it's your own children. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your neighbors. But i tell you who it is. Or just sum it all up. It's everyone. Everyone you come in contact with, you have a responsibility of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder if you're here today and maybe the Lord has spoke to your heart as He has mine. And then, to be honest with you, I've got people in my own family that I look at and I think, what a waste. What a waste. They go their way and I go mine. I don't have anything to do with them. They don't have anything to do with me. But behind that life, behind that body that's a in sin, there's a soul that Jesus loved and gave himself for. He said, greater love hath no man than a a man lay down his life for his friends. And then he called me his friend and laid down his life for me. That person you despised, he loves and laid down his life for them. And you wouldn't be what you are today had He not loved you. I think today is a day of reckoning. I think as we stand here and look at that fish gate, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, when it comes to fishing, I'm not much of a fisherman. My wife can sit out there with a pole in her hand or rod and reel all day long, whether they biting or not. But I don't. If they're ready to bite, I'm ready to fish. If they're not going to bite, I'm ready to go home. But sometimes that's transferred over to fishing for men going to do this and if they're not converted like Paul was in the first five minutes then I'm through with them that's a wrong attitude one of these days we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ what's it going to be like and I don't you know I don't know everything that Concerning prophecy where the Bible is silent, we can only imagine certain things, but I can't imagine what it would be like to see some of our family at the great white throne judgment being judged and cast into the lake of fire. And we see them and we remember a time when the Holy Spirit said, why don't you go talk to so and so about their soul? And we say, well, I just don't have time right now. Maybe later. Maybe some other time. And then we hear that they died. The first thing we think of was, you know, I told you to go talk with them about their soul one time, and you didn't go. Or you were waiting on somebody else to do it. Waiting on the preacher to do it. But I told you to go. But you're waiting on the preacher. There are people that you could win to the Lord that I can't. People that I could win that you couldn't. You say, well, I just can't do it. If Jesus tells you to do something, you can do it. Because he's going to help you. That's why they said, pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth the reapers. You're called to be a reaper. I'm called to be a reaper, every one of us. I'm going to close right here, but I'm going to ask you today, and of course if you're lost, Jesus can save you. But if you're saved, He can use you, and He wants to use you. He wants you to be a fisher of men. He wants you to get away from the fish gate, and come on over. I mean, get away from the sheep gate, And come on over to the fish gate and let's go fishing. Jesus is saying, come on folks, let's go fishing. I want to take you fishing. Fishing for men. I want you to pray for the lost. I want you to witness to the lost. I want you to care. The Bible says, he that goeth forth in weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall so come in like manner bringing his sheaves with him. So it's all right to shed a tear over somebody that's lost. You have children that are lost, grandchildren that are lost, maybe a husband or a wife, brothers or sisters. You ought to care enough about them not just to pray for them, but put some feet on your prayers. Let them know you love them, you care for them, if you want to want to see them saved I want our church to be known for caring for souls for being a soul saving station not not just a loving people not just a caring people but people that care enough to put some feet on their prayers and go when Jesus says go. Or if you're here this morning you feel like I do. I failed in so many ways, a lot of ways. I failed. I haven't seen lost souls like Jesus sees them. Oh God, help me to see them today through your eyes the way you look at them help me to look at them and Lord give me a love in my heart for lost people that I've never had before if you're here and you feel the same way you ought to come up here to this altar and rededicate and renew your vows to the Lord take up your cross and follow Him be a soul winner be a witness God's direction. If you don't want to come up here, then do it right back there where you sit. Or when you get home, get on your knees. Give your heart and your life to God. Did you know that when you don't give Him your life, that you're stealing? You're stealing from God. Because He says, you're not your own anymore. I bought you. I bought you with a price, you don't belong to you, you belong to me. Then get out and go to work. Let's go fishing. As we stand and sing what number, Kevin? And number
1: 111 in the little book, number 111. <laughs>
0: That's around your hometown. And in Samaria, that's out in (coughs) the County. And then to the whole world, Florida, Georgia, all of the United States, wherever you go, wherever the Lord sends you, you can be a witness. All right, God bless you. Let's bow our heads for the closing prayer. I'm going to ask for Baba Jacob to lead us in prayer.
2: Father, it's been a privilege to be in your house today, Lord. We thank you for each one here who came out, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it, Lord. Thank you for paying that price, Father. Each and every one of us here today that's saved by your blood, Lord, somebody spent some time uh, praying. Spent some time, Lord, witnessing to us. Lord, let us let us remember what you did, Lord, most of all and to remember that we need to share that gospel help us Father, to be that life that you called us to be we thank you for uh, everything you do for us each and every day we ask you to help us to be here tonight and Lord we pray for our country pray for our pastor and Lord ask that you go with us and bless us in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Amen